Welcome to the Playbook Podcast. My name's Mikey. And I'm Geordie, and we love to talk sports. We take a relaxed approach, love to banter, and express our passionate opinions. Not only do we love chatting amongst ourselves, but we occasionally get the views from important characters in the sporting world. So let's dive in. Yeah, baby! <laughs> Today, we'd like to welcome Adam Peacock, host of Fox Sports Show's The Kickoff and A-League Match Day. He's the face of Australian football television. Adam, welcome to the podcast, mate. Good to be here. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Good, yeah. It's happy to have you here and can't wait to get into a bit of footy with you. Mate, we're stoked yeah. that you're here. I've watched you since the start of the A-League, mate. Um, through Socceroos' triumphs and failures, I feel like you've always just been there on TV and it's as if I know you personally. I Surely you get that a lot. A little bit. I don't get that from my wife enough. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, a, a little bit. It's weird. Yeah, it's 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 good. Like talking to like you, I, my son plays, for instance, and I coach down at um, Manly United in Sydney. And you you go to a game and you start talking to people, and people come up to you and just start talking to you like they kind of know you. And I, exactly. I, I don't mean to be rude, but I'm like, oh, um, who are you? Yeah, hi, I'm Adam. What's your name? Type thing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but that's good. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk to. Them talk about football to anyone absolutely well mate you just got that personality i guess that's just a tribute to how great of a guy you are and how well you come across on tv so i guess let's um let's crack right into it so i guess i wanted to talk about first the the state of the a-league so you know i remember back when i was eight years old sydney fc you know they won the first a-league title with dwight york in 2005 and there was so much optimism around the a-league and there was a lot of interest and then you know, in 2012, Del Piero and Emil Heskey. Um, but since then, I feel like the competition, it might have got a little bit stronger on the top end. So, like, Sydney has been playing really well but and, and the Melbourne teams. But passion towards the league in general has kind of stagnated. So, I personally, I love the FFA Cup. And I think that's a reason to believe why maybe the A-League should look to a more promotion, relegation type system. So, how do you think we can engage... How do we improve the A-League and passion for the A-League in Australia? Um, yeah, I think it's an air of familiarity on, on one point that you know who's playing each season. You know your team's going to play 27 games and regardless if they lose all 27 games, the next season they'll be playing 27 games. And, and that is uh, not correct in just about any other nation that has a football league. So... That's the first thing. Yeah, relegation needs to be sorted out. Promotion, relegation. There should be everything worked towards a framework to, to make sure that it's a sustainable model, um, that clubs aren't going to go under for the sake of trying to get into a first division. And once they're there, they fall over because they can't pay their lighting bill, for instance, or pay mm-hmm. their players. We, we don't want that. But there needs to be an element of risk thrown in there because if we're overly careful about it, which we have been for the last 15 years, it just won't go anywhere and the conversation won't get further and down the track. That familiarity just kind of um, flourishes, if you like. So that's one element. The other element is how do A-League clubs become embedded in their own football communities, what surrounds them? And I don't think A-League clubs have done a near enough good job yet about that. I'm not saying that they can't change, but... I can only speak for personal experiences, and I'm in a Sydney FC area, for instance, and I, I don't think that Sydney FC as a football club is embedded in our football community. That's just, I can only speak from that personal experience, and that needs to change. And that might be the same case across all of Australia or only parts of Australia with some of the clubs. Might be all of the clubs. Might be just the area that I live in. But 
if the A-League is to grow, it needs to connect with the players that are playing uh, football in their catchment areas, if you like. And secondly, there needs to be that hope that you can have your dreams crushed by your club getting relegated out of the uh, top division and you can have your hopes raised by your local club or whatever getting into the top division. And that's what the FFA Cup has given, a, a, a degree of uncertainty and a different look at something that everyone's kind of hopped on board with and, and really enjoys. Well, we're, we're Sydney boys as well uh, from the East. And um, I feel the exact same as you, that it's not embedded. And I guess I, it kind of parallels super rugby in a sense that we have these big city clubs that have been created that aren't necessarily, they don't have that structure behind them of support, community-based support. So I think, like, I have no reason necessarily to be very fond of Sydney FC, even though I'm from Sydney. So I, I can't, Yeah, I like the comparison with Super Rugby because I know the rugby scene as well a little bit because my old man's a, a rugby guy and mm. it, it is the same kind of thing in, in that the level below Super Rugby, there's this... There's this really strong yeah. grassroots connect with their local area team. And then when it gets to Super Rugby, it's kind of like, well, you're too professional for us. You're, there's no mm. there's no kind of sharing rel- relevance, if you know what I mean. Like they've, it, it, It's almost like the Super Rugby franchise. And I'm sure they're not meaning to do it. It's just the way that professional rugby is as opposed to part-time amateurism in, in club land is that you're too good for it. You're too mm. professional for us. You're a different brand. You're a different type of thing. You are a brand. You're not a club. Yeah. Those things. And that really, really point. counts. That really counts. And when it comes down to it, if you want people to be passionate about your sporting team, as much as you want to have a good marketing department and a good corporate structure and have connected the big end of town, you're a club. You're mm. not a brand. So you've got to remember that. And a club means so much more than being a brand. And, and hopefully they realise this um, as the A-League clubs take control because if they don't, if they don't, they'll be sitting here in five, ten years' time wondering why there's not the care factor with their clubs that they might hope to be. Yeah, Adam, I agree. And you're talking about how you feel so strongly towards your grassroots club. Like, for instance, how you're talking about Manly United and how you go to the games and you feel that affinity towards that club. I was thinking, so I'm big with Hakoa, right? I've got an affiliation with Hakoa, which I'm sure you know the club as well. I was yeah. wondering, what is the pathway for a young footballer? If MPL seems to have that dead end, is there, like, what is the way a young footballer can go through the ranks and seep through to that professional landscape? Yeah, it's a very difficult one because they'll get to a certain age and it all bottlenecks. So there's, there's two issues at play here about how you connect with your... If you're an A-League club, how you connect with your local community. There's the um, the umbrella effect where that you want to bring in the best players and then you'll have a, a kind of relationship with NPL clubs and Sydney FC should be the feeder club um, or all best players should feed to Sydney FC at a certain age. Well, at the moment, they're coming in and getting the best 12-year-olds mm. and that just pisses people off. That just pisses the clubs off. And yeah. some clubs are okay with it because they'll let the player go because they'll know they're, they're off to go to a better environment. Other club, I know of a couple of clubs in Sydney that just won't even talk to Sydney FC. So if the kid is a, a talent and he's 14 years of age, he won't be allowed to go by his NPL club to Sydney FC because they don't have a relationship. I don't know how that is beneficial in any shape, way, shape or form, namely for the kid at the end of the process of being developed by wherever you're going to be developed. It's just such a disconnect. So 
there's that. And then there's the, the element of we want you to support us, so how are we going to build a relationship? That's a, that's a separate point. So the development point and then a fandom point, if you like, and two of them at the moment need to be heavily worked on because at the moment it's not quite working. Now, from the player halfway point of view, yeah, you're right. Like it gets to 16, 17, and unless you're exceptional, and if you are exceptional, probably you're looking at an overseas move now mm. because getting into an A-leg squad and getting heavy minutes in the A-leg and being developed. So by the time you get to 2021, you've got 100 games under your belt. That's a difficult thing to do. Like Danny De Silva made his debut at 15 years of age. Okay, he's had a couple of moves overseas. But has he developed into the player we thought he'd be mm. when he's 23 years of age? No. Not quite. And mm. I think that's kind of got to be looked at with the A-League as well, about how that happens. And to me, the answer is having A-League teams play in a second division, but they can't get promoted, and teams out of the second division can get promoted. That's going to tick off a lot of people in the NPL land who want to have aspirations mm. of just having their own competition with the desire to get promoted. But in a development situation... That's the way it's got to be, in I my agree. opinion, because it can, we can't afford a B League and the second division because there's barely enough money at the moment to run an A League. So yeah. I don't see how two more competitions is going to help the financial situation to begin. Well, and speaking of the A League, do you think with this whole Corona situation that more youngsters and more Australian kids will filter through the games for the rest of the season? Yes, I do, and I think in the next twelve months that there'll be a higher percentage of Australian players getting game time in the A-League because of the calibre of player that would be able to be attracted to Australian clubs. Now, obviously, this is a worldwide pandemic, so financially, football clubs all around the world are going to take a bit of a hit. But I just think it's going to be hard to, especially if we've got, still got border restrictions towards the end of the year before the next A-League season starts. Is a guy really want to, going to come here and, and play football after having to go through the two-week quarantine period and then mm. losing condition and then getting back out there, I don't know. It, it might might be. I'm not sure. But I, I think um, clubs are going to look more closely at their backyard and that gets back to how the, the players are being developed and that gets back to how kids are coming through academies and coming through the pathway system and hopefully everything is being looked at in microscopic detail about how to sort out what is the best pathway players because another point is sorry to wrap it on but another point is about the the element that Australian football in the Australian sporting landscape Australian football can tap into one element that every other code can't and every other code wish it could and that's a worldwide transfer market so you've got your broadcast revenue your sponsorship revenue not any other code no not cricket not not football uh, like all the footy codes they can't go oh we've can have another source of revenue and that's a transfer system we can but for some unknown reason we don't i know the reasons because we're not developing the kids in a in a, a good enough way that gets them overseas moves because they're an attractive prospect of a player that's played 50 60 games in the a league like the old nsl days and they those players were desperate to get out of australia and those nsl clubs were desperate to um move them on to get a bit of money in the club and it's just not working now, it's, is it going to start to in the next couple of years? I hope so. But at the moment, it's it's a, a big thing that the game in Australia is missing out on. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't agree with you more there. Just shifting gears a little bit here. I remember when Fox Sports lost the right to the EPL. And I actually remember it as quite like a devastating moment. I was pretty upset about it. How, how, how were you... Oh, my God. Yeah, that's, that's the question. So how, how were you guys like um, at Fox... Fox Sports, like you and Garby and Robbie Slater, such a kind of 12, 12 a.m., middle of the night, 
staple TV. So how did you guys deal with that? Um, I can only speak for myself. Like you, you'll have to ask the other guys how they personally dealt with it. But I was like, well, it's business. Um, as bad a decision as I think it is and as bad a situation as I think it is for our company and also for um, Premier League viewership and the loyal fans that get a had a service that they could just rely on all the time. And obviously, I've just sorted it out now. But at the start, it was... A, Debacle. I remember watching Newcastle's return to the Premier League against Tottenham at St James's Park. Well, I, I just st- stared at a, a buffering signal for 20 minutes at the start of it, and that wasn't right. So, it, fortunately, from the broadcast side of things, Optus have sorted it out, and we're getting the service that people who love the Premier League deserve here in Australia. However, at the time, it was like, oh, okay, well, that was a bit of a surprise. I remember waking up. It was a November morning. It was around Melbourne Cup time, actually, and I woke up to all these messages on my phone and was like... Oh, good. Oh, well, that's the way it goes. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you go, oh, I wish we could have it back. But what are we going to do? Have a whip around at Fox and then pay for the rights ourselves? That's mm-hmm. that's not how business works. So it's one of those things that's totally out of your hands. So if something's totally out of your hands, you just um, kind of deal with it and move on with your life because there's not much you can do about it. Yeah, and, and, and the World Cup as well. I remember Optus's first World Cup being a bit of a disaster for them. And um, it was a bit of a disaster well, for me as well. Uh, it wasn't a disaster for me because I was actually in Russia for yeah, a disaster yeah. and other kinds, but that was self-induced, but we won't go there. <laughs> well, I must say, in terms of Fox Sports and the programs that you show, the kickoff and the A-League match day, they're awesome. I think the panel dynamic between you and Tara and Boza and Ned Zelich, it's, it's really great. And uh, I was just thinking, even Boza's laugh, like surely you guys give him stick for that, right? Uh, no, because it's his <laughs> laugh. Um, I... Look, we know it's coming, so, you, you know, it's, uh, it's, um, we give Boz a stick for other stuff, not his laugh. You, uh, but, yeah, he's good fun. He's um, he's a unique individual, as we all know, and have come to love. And, uh, no, he's, he's a good guy. He's got a good heart. And Robbie as well, he's, he, in a different way, he's he's got a really, really good heart, Robbie. And I know a lot of people have an opinion of Robbie uh, that is a little removed from that particular comment, but... No, he's a really good guy to be around and a, and a funny individual as well because he calls a spade a spade. So if you're a spade, yeah. Uh, yeah, look out. And that's why we love it. And I was thinking as well, like from the dynamics and people that were there, like who does get the most stick? Because I've seen, have you seen that Ned Zelich video, the individual brilliance one? You know the one I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've seen Ned on Twitter during this pandemic. Exactly. And, um, I, I dare say that Ned's popping the, the most stick and <laughs> that's his personal view and I don't share it, but uh, that's the way it goes. But, that's it. I feel like um, he's embraced it with every tweet. I see the hashtag individual brilliance. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, who cops the most stick? Oh, everyone cops stick. Like it's... It's literally like a football dressing room. Like Tara doesn't cop my stick because we've got too much respect for that. Of course, <laughs> of course. Um, but the rest of us, yeah, we, we just give each other shit um, most of the time. So it's it's actually it's actually pretty funny. It's good fun. Quickly, I might mention we we interviewed Tom Morris from um, the senior reporter for the AFL for Fox Footy. Interviewed him yep. last week, and he was telling us when he was eighteen, he bumped into you in Wimbledon um, at a pub. And he ended up buying you vodka Red Bulls. Yes. Very funny. <laughs> I, don't re- I don't remember it because he must have bought me a few. But <laughs> yeah. when I go, yeah, when I went to Wimbledon, that happened. That was like my holiday. And yeah, my wife wasn't overly happy about it because she saw what a good time I was having. And I'd always <laughs> call her at like two o'clock in the morning from over there. And she'd be getting up over here and trying to shuffle the kids off to school and going through this, that and the other. But yeah, it's a, it's a great trip. And I don't remember that time with Tommy. And he's never brought it up with me, actually. I 
haven't spoken to him in a while. So next time I speak to him, I'll, I'll bring it up and maybe shout him back or when we're allowed in the pub again. But <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Wimbledon as a as a trip was is just simply the best. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think we're pretty much done with those, um, given the world that we live in. But uh, I'm glad I got nine of them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nine. Not bad. Not too bad. Um, look, we're going to just jump into a segment here. Uh, we call it five years. We're just going to give you a player or a club or a name. And then you have to kind of give us an idea on what you think or where they will be in five years. So I'll start yeah. off. Um, Newcastle, obviously, with this takeover being rumoured. Oh, I think it's official now. Is it official? Not quite. Not quite. Not well, quite. Where no. do you think they'll realistically be in five years per se if it did okay, go through? So the, the takeover talk has gone on for four months. So if the takeover goes through, we'll be in the Champions League and maybe winning it in five years. If it doesn't go through and Mike Ashley is still in charge, we'll be in League Two. Sure. So I was thinking... No. No. Oh, what do you mean? I think that's a pretty fair, fair call. <laughs> no, I, I, just, I just feel that as in they're both extremes, even if they don't take over, they got some pretty good youngsters as well. You know, the Longstaff <laughs> brothers. You know, they can sustain a bit of a Premier League mid-table, a Burnley. Yeah, well, yeah, brilliant. Oh. Everyone wants to be Burnley, don't they? <laughs> exactly. Everyone wants to be Burnley. I was thinking, um, since Steve Bruce has done okay job, given the resources that he's been given, who would you like to see as manager if the takeover did go through? Would you like to see Rafa back? Pretty familiar with the club, knows how everything works. He's a proven manager and given the resources that Mike Ashley didn't give him, I'm sure he would do exceptionally well. Or would you reach out to someone like Pochettino? Yes, Pochettino. Maurizio Pochettino is the man I'd go for if uh, the takeover went through and he, he seems to have such a good rapport with his players. And Okay, he's not a serial winner of trophies, yeah, but he'll improve us as a football team, and I think he'll do a good job with uh, a club like Newcastle with the resources that might be available. Terrific. Perfect. So next, uh, next player up on the five-year segment, Daniel Azani. So we know his ACL, and we know his kind of issues that he had at Celtic, and he didn't really get a lot of game time in there. Now he's going to be moving to a Dutch club. Uh, he's only twenty-one years old. Where where do you think he'll be in five years? I hope that he is playing in the. French or Spanish leagues after a successful run of games in the next two years where he's getting more and more game time and then he the third year he has like this really improved year and he gets a good move to a, a really high quality French club or a, a mid-table up Spanish club because I think um, the way that the game's played in, in those particular countries different but would s- still suit Daniel and uh, I think if he plays over 100 games in the next five years, he's going to be uh, one of our, if not our most important player mm. for the Socceroos. But if he doesn't play anywhere near that football, it's going to be a big what if. Yeah, interesting that you said the French League. How, how, why the French League? You don't really hear of Australians going to France and developing there. Why did you say France, just out of curiosity? It's good football. It's quality technical football. It's It's still got an big element of physicality and I just look at and I talked to Robbie Slater a fair bit obviously and what the French League did for him as a player and he was a big success when he went to Lons and he spent five seasons there and he really enjoyed his time as a footballer there and I think with a bit of money coming into the French League as well with the Qatari money at PSG TV rights going up and they develop players well I just think a, a French League would be a really good place for him and it'd be a level up from where he looks like he's going next season, the Dutch league, which is a very good development league as well, but it, I think it's just a run below 
say what you get in France on a on a week to week basis. But um, yeah, I, I just think why not? We we used to have players going through the, the French leagues in the the nineties and gone away from it a bit because everyone wants to get to England or or maybe even Spain as well. But um, yeah, I, I, I just can see him playing for a, a higher level French team, and that'd be that'd be fantastic for him. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I didn't know Robbie actually played in the French League, so it's interesting. He can speak fluent French. Can he? No way. We met him. We met him. Yeah, we met him when we were. He came to our school, had a little chat. It's nice. Yeah, next time, get him to speak in French. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we'll do. (laughs) His first wife was French. His first wife was. He's a smart man, Robbie. I think his Mm. first wife was the daughter of French club that he's playing at the president or some high-ranking official or some big person in the town that he was playing in like some uh, handy businessman type things so yeah. yeah he's um he's not done rob no wonder yeah. he was a success you know yeah <laughs> no he did it off his own bat though in terms yeah of yeah league. no i'm so sure he was super footballer back in his day and last one on the segment um adam peacock where do you think you're gonna be five years hopefully hopefully just writing about football maybe doing a little bit of television but oh, no, I might be a bit early for five years because his kids will be too young. Mm. Um, when the oldest be? He'll be 20. Yeah, he might be out of home. Uh, well, one thing I will be in six years' time is at the World Cup in uh, USA-Mexico. That's still if, if there is a USA left. Mm. USA-Mexico and Canada will be that World Cup. But um, maybe in five years, looking at getting uh, out of Sydney and living on the north coast in virtual solitude, that would be wonderful. That does sound nice, i got to say. I wouldn't mind that myself yeah. in a few years. And still involved in football and coaching um, kids as well. Great. Football. Love to hear that. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us on the pod, Adam. Like, Really appreciate it. Um, can't thank you enough and wish you well for the future. You too, guys. Good to chat. Thank you.